Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more information about Alive Church, please visit alivechurchoc.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in Alive Church OC. So today I want to talk to you about seizing the opportunity. That's the title of my message. It's Seize the Opportunity. Amen. And so I want to walk with you through a couple of things that God's been dealing with me, right? It's the new year. It's the new season. I've been meditating and reading on the word. And so when we step into a new year and a new season, like what we often do is we book in the years and we say from January to December, that's the end of the year. And we walk into a new season and we think that's it. It's the new season. And that's great because there are new things that come. But sometimes that can limit us or limit God and his capacity to move. And so we should be seeing new things and things happening all the time and not just the new year, but every day, all day for the rest of our lives. Amen? Amen. So that we should be pressing on towards these new things. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us just to stay and wait and say, oh, there's the new year. I got something for you. You're gonna jump right into it. He's gonna continue to move. And I'm grateful for that, that he moves all throughout the year and all the time, that we're not waiting on God. God is actually moving. The problem is, is that we don't always hear. We don't always hear. So how many of you like are saying to yourselves like this year is going to be greater than, or this year will be greater than last year? Okay, I got two people. This year for me and my house, we, and this is going to be a greater year than what last year because I know how big God is. I know what God has done in our lives, and I know he's going to do bigger and better things. He has a purpose set out for everybody. So at the New Year's Eve service, if you were here and attended for that, it was amazing. Um, Pastor Derek prophesied, and how many of you know that prophecies are a promise from God? Amen? And so we want to cling on those promises. And what, this is what he says when he pulled up. It was Isaiah 61.3, and he said this. It says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and their righteousness, say righteousness, righteousness. they will be like great oaks. Sam, a great oak. That the Lord has planted for his own glory. Amen? So prophecies, they will come to pass. If we live in the order of God, prophecies will come to pass. And so when I read this, and I, that righteousness word kept sticking with me, and I was like, righteousness, well, that's a process. That's a process of refinement that God takes us through. He might be, I don't know what he's refining in your life, but it might be your character. It might be your attitude. It might be the way you respond to somebody or something. It might be your, your mindset. But these are challenging things sometimes. As when we're going through this refinement process and God is working on us, it may be difficult. It may be a little bit easy. It's different for for each and every person. But the important thing is, is that this righteousness us working so that we can be conformed to the image and likeness of what he's created us to be, to sharpen us, to put us in the position that he wants us to be so that we don't get stuck and that we're able to move forward. Amen. And this process as it continues, says we're going to be like great oaks, solid, rooted, strong. But as I read this, I was like, is that it? And I didn't mean that in a condescending way to God. Like, this is, this is his word, right? It's going to come to pass. I'm like, oh, God, don't strike me down. I'm asking a question. Like, is this it? So as we go into this refining process and we're becoming strong and rooted, like, is that it or is there more? How many of you know that there's more from God? Yeah. Amen? So he revealed to me, and I felt like that commercial, you know, but, but wait, there's more. 
right? And this is true because there is more. So he led me to read a couple of more sentences down and I get to Isaiah 61, seven. And this is what it says. Instead of shame and dishonor. So I have to pause right there because that word shame, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Instead of shame and dishonor, what is shame? What is shame? It's a self-conscious emotion associated with negative self-evaluation. Negative self-evaluation. That sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. Negative is already bad, right? It's like a double negative. And then self-evaluation, that could actually be super dangerous. Because what are we basing it on? We're basing it on ourselves, so if we base it, you're already, we're already talking about a negative, right? And then you're basing things on what yourselves and what you're feeling is, that is a bad place to be. Yeah. There's no gauge that's there. This is why we need God, because he sets the standard. He's our gauge. So when we get in these positions, in these places or whatever, it's God who lifts us up. It's God who we lean into. It's God who we press into and say, God, help me, carry me in the name of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So most people, when you think of shame, you might feel like it's a sense of embarrassment or disgust, like something you might feel that maybe that you did or that you allowed in your life, and, and that is true. But as I continue to pray and ask God about this, like uh, shame could also open up areas and feelings that, of worthlessness. Like I have nothing to offer. And that's not true at all because God created us and we all have something to offer. It could also lead to feelings of inadequacy, yeah. like you're not good enough, like maybe that you're not qualified, and that's a lie, yeah. because it's God who qualifies us. Right. It's God who gives us the ability to overcome. It's yeah. God. It can also lead to feelings of self-doubt, yeah. a lack of confidence. So when we look at shame, you know, we think of, oh, it's self-doubt, lack of confidence. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Says who? Yeah. Us? Because we're comparing ourselves to our standards. That's that self-evaluation I'm talking about. How negative is that, right? So dangerous. But we should be going to God because he's our rock and he doesn't change. Amen? Amen. So what happens is, is during this time, what happens is, is that we, would, we begin to withdraw from people. And that's actually opposite of what God wants for us. God, is called, God wants us to be with people. We're supposed to fellowship with people. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to help people. God uses people to carry out his plan and his purpose. God uses people to speak words of encouragement and bring life to situations where others can't. We also, uh, during this time, this is what can happen. We search for excuses. We begin to make excuses for things. And, you know, that's really just a fear of facing up to the situation that we, he's asked us to do or where we're at. We start to cover it up. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you weren't here for Wednesday night service when Pastor Troy was, was speaking, it was powerful uh, and amazing. And he, he said something in there, and it struck me like a ton of bricks. He said, many of us are obedient, but not willing. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, how obedient have we been in, our, in carrying and walking and giving and doing our things, but are we willing? And I thought, man, how many excuses did I make to the Lord when I didn't do something? How much did I grumble about it? How much did I complain about it? Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm willing. Like, most of us are super willing to go home and, and binge on Netflix, right? Or on football, I'm guilty. 
or whatever it is, you fill in the blanks that we're willing to go do that and binge on that, but that's not where we should be. This is how it works. So we look at it and we say, God, I wanna go to the promised land, and it might be like right here, and you're, God, I want all these great things. I want a house, I want a car, I want all of this goodness and all this stuff. Come on, God, let's go. We're gonna go this way. The promised land's right here, and God's like, hey, cool, let's go, and turns this way. And you're like, wait a minute, God, I said, the promised land is right over here. It's right next to me. I want all of these things. Let's go. And God's like, okay, great. And he walks the other way. And you think, how is this happening? I, I know the promised land is close to me. I know it's here. I'm doing all of the right things. But when you don't follow God, you don't get to go to the promised land. The problem is, is that we may not be weedy. And if we don't follow God, the problem is, is that we're telling God that he doesn't know where he's going. Come on now. Wow. Wow. The, the thing that we need the most is, is we need the journey with the God. So the promised land might be here right next to you. Look, but God wants to take us on a journey, right? And it might be going this way. It might be going this way. You might be going all over the place before you get there. But that's, that's the righteousness part. That's the refinement where God is working on us. And he's cutting those things off. And he's changing us and molding us because that's what he wants us to be like and created in his image so that we can move forward, that we don't get stuck. And the things that he has for us. So we may be obedient, but those lines, the shame that I was talking about, those negative connotations, those things might be hindering us. Do you know how many blessings I missed out on because of my unyielded heart? Like how many people that I could have helped? And if I ask all of us in this room to rate ourselves on a scale of one to 10, how would we rate ourselves of all the missed out opportunities? I want to encourage you and tell you today that when you surrender and yield to God, he will remove that shame, those lies from the enemy. Amen? Amen. So I want to make a few declarations with you this morning. And I want to make a declaration today that says, I declare that we are not worthless. We have plenty to offer. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not worthless. We have plenty to offer. And when we look at Ephesians 1, 4, this is what it says. Just as in his love, he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own. That's talking about you and me. Before the foundation of the world, so we would be holy, that is consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven, and blameless in his sight. When we go to the word of God, it edifies us. You are set apart. You are a part of the body. Each and every one of us in this room has a set of skills, has a set of talents that God has called us uh, to do and be. We're unique. We are created. We have a purpose. Number two, I want to declare that we are not inadequate. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are adequate. We, we do not have the ability because God, we have the ability because God created us to have the ability and it's already in us. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 3, 5, this is what it says. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. God's competence keeps us from that self-evaluation process. Once again, if we turn and we start getting competence from ourselves and we start judging and evaluating ourselves, we're going to go downhill. And number three, the third thing I want to declare is is that we do not have self-doubt. We do not have self-doubt. We have confidence because God gives it to us. Amen? Amen? And when we turn to Proverbs 3, 26, this is what it says. It says, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. 
So as we trust in God, that's our proof that God will be with us no matter what. That we are on the best path, which is his path, and he will keep us from getting tripped up. So I'm going to go back to Isaiah 61.7 because I know I stopped with instead of shame and dishonor because it hit me so hard that these are some of the things that I know that I've been dealing with. And I can only imagine how many people might be dealing with some of these things. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to uproot those things and replace them with what God says so that we can be healed and we can, we can fulfill what it says in his word. It says instead of shame and dishonor, it says you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. So instead of shame that you don't have to live with, he promises more. He promises double. He promises double honor and double prosperity. Amen? Come on, if you believe that, give him a big shout, because that's who he is. That's what God does. That's what his word says, and it's going to come to pass because it's a prophecy and saying may not be in your time that you think it's going to, but it's going to be a time that God says it's going to happen. Amen? Does God honor us? Yes. I thought it was the other way around. I thought we only honor God. God, I honor you and I worship you, and that's true to an extent, but when we honor God, guess what? He honors us. You know why I know that? Because in 1 Samuel 2.30, it says this. It says, therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. God honors us. Imagine that, the creator of the heavens and the earth, this, this God that's created everything that we have, he's created us and everything in it, he honors us. He honors us. He honors us because we honor him by working through the process and allowing the righteousness and allowing the things to be broken off so we could be conformed in his image and be through that process. He honors us. We are his children. We are his people. Amen? He created us. Does God want us to prosper? Yes. yes. Of course he does. Why would he not? Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-five says this. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Amen. Amen? God has called us to live abundant lives. He's a good, good father. Why would he create us to, to live a life of, uh, of, you know, um, of despair and, and, and go through trials and things and not want to honor us or not want to prosper us and give us the abundance and the inheritance that we deserve? Of course he wants that. Why would he not? Amen. He created us. We're, we're family. And so when we go through the refinement process, he's pruning us. It's like the trees, right? When we talk about the oak trees or those of you that, that have a green thumb, you know, and you have plants and you do things and you start trimming, you got to trim away the old dead things so new stuff can, can be, you know, come out of that. So it can grow. And so through this refinement process, as God is working on us, he's trying to pull those things out, those old things like the worthlessness that, you, you know, that might have been said over you in the past or whatever, the, 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 the inadequacy that you think that you might have or whatever, the self-doubt. He's trying to trim all of that away, cut all away so that we could grow, like his word says, to be great oaks. And great oaks, they're rooted right? Big, deep roots planted deep into the ground so that they don't move and they don't waver when the storms come. Yeah. Amen? 
And those of you who know about oaks, they're big, and they can be ginormous. In fact, there's one that's very old. I think it's in Temecula or in the local area. It's like said to be over 2,000 years old. So being like great oaks or whatever, they live long lives. I want to live a long life. I don't know about you, but I want to be a great oak. The good thing about great oaks, the big great oaks that are, they provide shade. They provide cover. They provide things for people. Covering, right? We want to cover people in prayer or whatever that might be. They're sturdy, and they give something off. They give oxygen. How amazing is that? So that we can breathe and we can live. So they give something, and that's just like us. We're oak trees, and we give also that we need to give to people. We need to give in our tithes and offerings. We need to give the word and share the word of God to people so that we could give something to them so that they could get unstuck, and then they can move into the things, and we can seize the opportunities that God's laid out in front of us so that we can move forward and stand being stuck in this place. Amen? So God doesn't just promise a little honor and a little prosperity in his word. He actually, and that's a, that's a single portion. He actually, what did he say? He says he promises double. Who wants double? Who wants double? If you believe that, let's give him a shout of praise. Maybe one person wants it. I want double. I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied with one. I want two. I'm not satisfied with 100. I want 200. Come on. That's the promise of God. Not only does God want to honor and prosper us, he also wants us to seize every opportunity to lead people into his kingdom. Seize. When we take a look at that word, it says take an opportunity or initiative eagerly and decisively. And when you look at that word eagerly, it means eagerly, it means strong desire. So when you see something, you have a strong desire to want something. That means that we need to do something. That means we can't stay stagnant, that we've got to move forward, that we have to get started. And don't worry, those of you that aren't started, you think you're behind or you're inadequate, you're not qualified. That's not true because God will meet you where you are and you are qualified. Amen. You can do the things because we have God so that we don't stay stagnant. And that, in that process, though, that requires us a little bit of effort and work. Amen? So that we're taking advantage of those opportunities that are presented to us. Someone once said, and put this up for you, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what a ship is built for. A ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what a ship is built for. Think about it. A ship sitting in a harbor does nothing. It's just hanging out there. It's tied, it's tied up. It's tied up. Some of us in this room, I believe, might be like a ship or a sailboat or whatever where you're tied up. At one time that your sail was up and you were flying, you were floating and you were going from point A to point B and all of a sudden something tied you up and held you back and it left the air and the wind out of your sails. And now that you're stuck. But that's not what we're created to be and that's not who we are. We're created to be and to go out. So when you think of a ship, right, they're supposed to go out in the open ocean and God created that ocean. Look how big that is right? But when we go out in the ocean, those of you that have been way out in the ocean, it can be quite scary. It can be quite scary. It's dark out there. And actually, my wife and I um, celebrated our 10-year anniversary last year. And I can say that because it was officially last year. Um, Yeah. Yes. Yes. We celebrated our anniversary with a cruise. And so we were on a ship. And lo and behold, we're out in the middle of the ocean. And it's the middle of the night. And it was dark. (laughs) <laughs> it was dark, and it could be scary, but thank God that the ships have a navigation system, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So they have a navigation system to help guide them, and we can rest in that. And that's just like us too. Like if we relate ourselves to ships, we also have a navigation system. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he promised us he would give us the Holy Spirit, an advocate that would help us in the times of need when we need to get to point A and point B. Amen? In Matthew 5.14, it says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So like the ship, we are called to go out and not stay tied up. We are called to be the light. We are called to do the things that God is supposed to have us doing or we should be doing to navigate people home, to bring them back in the house so they could get saved, they can have an encounter with God, and then they can move forward and not be stuck in their situation. Amen? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to move forward. We're going to see every opportunity. I'm going to help you get through this situation at the times and the things that you might need so we can break off the things that are holding us out so that we can move forward and walk into the calling of God. Amen? So I'll tell you right now that God doesn't want us to miss out on what he's wanting for us, for each and every one of us, and what he wants from us for a live church. Because we're a body, we're a family. We may have to go through some doors or some things that God might make that easy. So if we use that reference of door walking through, God might make those doors open so that you could easily walk through them. But sometimes the things that you need to walk through might be difficult. And those doors might be locked. And those of you that have been behind locked doors or you're looking at facing a locked door right now, you need a key to open that up. You need a key. And so there's, I know the technology is great out there. And a lot of us, we don't necessarily have the old school keys anymore. We got, you know, the AI and all that kind of stuff. You can like clap three times and your car will start and doors will open and do all that kind of stuff. I don't know how it all works, but it just does. Sometimes that, that's how God works. He does all kinds of stuff. And I have no idea how it happens, but we just know God makes all those things happen. Amen. So we need those keys. If you think about old school keys, you can have two keys that are actually identical. They look just alike. They look the same color, the same shape. You put them up next to each other. They look exactly the same. But when you insert them into the lock one at a time, only one of them works. You're like, well, how is that? And it's because they have these little teeth, right? So the keys may look exactly alike, but the little teeth that are there are the ones that actually unlock and they open up that door. And like those little teeth, like us, those little teeth have to be refined if you want that door to be open. And so like us, we have little teeth. We compare that to some of the things that are in our lives that we need to give to God so he can refine them and he can unlock the doors that we're supposed to walk through. Amen? Amen. That's what he does. He fixes the little teeth. So we need to seize the opportunity to encounter God today so that he can unlock all of those closed doors in our lives. Amen. By a show of hands, who's ready for that key? Come on, who wants that key that's going to unlock them, that's going to free them, that you're going to say, I'm enough is enough. I don't want to be here anymore. God, I want something. I want to walk in your purse. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of in the situation where I'm at. Who wants that key? I do. I want that key. I'll tell you that. So right now I'm going to help you out. There are four keys to unlocking your potential. There's four of them. Number one, make God your priority. Number one, you need to make God your priority. Are we making God a priority in our lives? Are we putting him first? Are we setting aside the time to commune with him, to dine with him, to ask him for help? Make, make God a priority in your life. 
And so when we look at the story of Mary and Martha, and God led me in this direction to talk about this, then when we look at the story of Mary and Martha and we go back, Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. How many of you remember this story? That's okay if you don't, we'll walk through it right now, right? So, so they go, they're walking together, they're walking into Jerusalem, and they come upon this village and this house, and it's Martha's house, right? And so it's because it's her house, and like we do when we have people over to our house, we start to prepare, and we start to do things, and all of a sudden, you start cleaning. How many of you have ever been there? You start cleaning your house because people are coming over. Well, you're down on your hands and knees. You're scrubbing the baseboards. You're, you, I mean, you're scrubbing and cleaning things you ain't never done the whole time that you live there, right? <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. So here they are. So they get to Martha's house, and she's doing like she does as a good steward, and they're welcoming them into the home, and she's, you know, preparing a meal, and she wants everything to be right. But her sister's there with her, too. So Mary is there. So Mary and Martha, Martha are there, and I'm sure that Martha's thinking, like, we're going to do this thing together. We're going to go. And as soon as they come into the house or whatever, Martha continues to do her chores and preparing and, and getting frustrated and frazzled because she's doing everything to prepare for these folks that are coming into her house. And where's Mary? Mary's over there sitting at the feet of Jesus, over there with the guests, right? So, so Martha's distracted, right? And she's upset. She's flustered. And she comes to Jesus. She's like, hey, like, like I'm doing all of this stuff over here. And my sister, she's over there like with you hanging out. Tell her to come over and help me. So that's where we are. So when we take a look at Luke 10, verse 41 to 42, this is what it says. It says, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Everybody say the good part. Which will not be taken away from her. The difference between Mary and Martha is that Mary met with Jesus, and Martha missed him. It says that Martha was worried. I'm going to tell you right now what worry can do to you. It will cause you to dwell on certain little things. You start to allow those thoughts to consume your mind and your lives, and all of a sudden it consumes your time. And you're like, where did my time go? You're so worried about everything. Extreme cases of worry can cause anxiety. And in the end, it will cause you to miss out on the things that God has called you to do or where God wants to take you. And then it talks about the good part, that Mary has chosen the good part. So what's the good part? His presence. Mary chose to seize the opportunity to be in the Lord's presence. She could have gone somewhere else. She said, uh-uh, I'm going to be right here in the presence of the Lord who's here to listen, to learn, to commune with him, to know who he is. How many of you know when you bask in the glory and spend time with him that he will not let you go? Amen? Amen. So when we choose to spend, God, spend time with God, he will actually come to you. And I put a couple of things up here for you. And in his presence, right? And in his presence, he will give you rest. He will give you rest. The Bible says in Exodus 33, 14, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Notice how Mary was at his feet, Martha she was all flustered running around. Mary was resting. She was resting with the Lord. And number two, and in his presence, he will give you joy. He will give you joy when you're in his presence. 
Psalm 16, 11 says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can't tell me that the presence of God doesn't bring joy because I was here during praise and worship and we put our hands and we lifted them up in the sanctuary and we were dancing around and we had joy, joy, joy. Amen? Amen. And number three, and in his presence, he will give you peace. He will give you peace. He will give you rest. He will give you joy. And he will give you peace. It says in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That peace will guard us from self-evaluation, from that process that I was talking about that can bring you down because you start to worry, you start to compare yourselves to other people, and, you, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're down here when you should be up here because that's where God is, and that's where he wants to take you. Yeah. <clears throat> when we spend time with God, we make him our priority. We don't have to worry or be anxious about things. We just need to rest and soak in his peace and his joy. Amen? And that's what he wants for each and every one of us. The second key to unlocking your potential is you have to be all in. You have to be all in. Number one, you know, you have to make God your priority. But number two, you got to be all in. Are you sold out for Jesus? So if we turn and look at the story of Zacchaeus, how many of you remember the story, heard the story of Zacchaeus? And I love this story. And so Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector in that time. There were many jobs in that era, uh, and he became very, very wealthy, like most of them did. But he did that by cheating people and by taking their money. And, you know, as Jesus entered Jericho, you know, obviously somebody was sharing the good news that the Jesus guy is coming, that he was so curious as, he was, as Jesus was coming into Jericho that he had to see him. But if you know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, like he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd. But obviously he had curiosity because, again, somebody said that Jesus was coming, that aura and that presence was going to be there, and he didn't want to uh, miss out on that, that obviously he wanted to see who this guy was, and so he did something about it. The dilemma that Zacchaeus faced was that he was in was like Mary and Martha. I'm either going to I'm either going to meet him or I'm going to miss him. I'm either going to meet him or I'm going to miss him. I would I'd like to say that many of us are kind of like Zacchaeus and maybe we're sick and tired of being in the situation of 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 this mundane life. He he, he lived a life of corruption and he's fed up with it. I mean, he was robbing people and the dislike of all the people and friends. Can you imagine the rejection of all of the people that are around him too? Like you're this tax collector and we're supposed to be friends, but I'm taking your money and I'm pocketing it. I can't imagine what he was going through. Yeah, crooked. Mm. So he had a choice. This was his golden opportunity. He says, I'm either all in or I'm all out. There was no in between. He was too short. So he had to make a decision. He's like, if I stay right here and I get stuck right here, I'm going to miss out on what Jesus has. I'm going to miss out on what this guy and who he is. But if I take off and I go, I have an opportunity to meet him on the other side. I could do something about it. It's a golden opportunity. The Bible talks about lukewarmness. If you remember, you can't be hot. It's not too hot, too cold. You got to do one thing or the other. You're either going to follow what God says or you're not. That's it. 
And so here's Zacchaeus. The choice is clear for what Zacchaeus does in this situation. I put this up for you in Luke 19, 4, and this is what it says. It says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Amen? Amen. He was all in. He didn't say that he walked. He ran. And not only that, he climbed a tree that he wanted so badly to meet who Jesus was and see who he was. And guess what? Because he made that decision, because he seized the opportunity, because he said, hey, I'm all in. I'm sick and tired of being where I am. I'm going to see who this guy is and what he's all about. Guess what happened? He has an encounter with Jesus. They go back to his house. They break bread. They dine together. And then all of a sudden, Jesus touches us a move inside of him. And he says, hey, I want to give up half of everything that I took from everybody. He repented, and the rest is the end of the story. I don't know what else was said about him, but that's an amazing encounter to have, all because he was all in. He was sold out for Jesus. Amen? It's critical that we take advantage of every opportunity because you never know when you're going to get another chance. You never know when you're going to get another chance. So the third key to unlocking your potential today is you got to expect something big. You got to expect something big. So we got to make God a priority in our lives because we serve and and we have a big, big God, right? We have to be all in on what his promises are and we need to expect something big. Are we expecting something big from God? Well, a couple of you might be, but I know that I am. I'm expecting big things from God. I'm tired of the little things. I'm tired of fighting for the scraps at the bottom. We serve a big, big God. I'm going after the big things. So I'm expecting this year that there's going to be something big. And I know that I experienced in my life that a lot of things that, that you know, I've limited God, that, that my expectation was him was so small. And that's the problem, that we put God in a box, you know, and we think that he can't do some of the things that, that he can't do, but he can. And so I'm guilty of that, probably because of, of faith, like a, a lack of faith in my life, a lack of trust and understanding who God really is, or even just a lack of not knowing the word. Remember what the word says, that we're going to get double, Right. We serve a big, big God. His promises will come to pass. A double prosperity. We will prosper. We're going to live, live abundant lives. I'm expecting double this year. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. All things are possible. Amen? And that's the promise that I'm sticking to this year. So who wants to experience something big in this room? We want to experience something big, right? It's okay to clap in here. We can loosen up a little bit because God's going to do something big for you this year. And I believe that. That's everybody, right? Big. Here's a great story, uh, example of a story of a lame man they talk about in the Bible. So he turned to a story, and those of you know that Peter and John were heading to the temple to pray. And so when they were going to the temple, this is a known temple, a known area. The story of the lame man, the lame man was, uh, was born lame at birth. And, and what, this, what it says is, is that he had to be carried to the gate all the time to, to be set down. And so he, was sit- he sits at the gate all the time. The only thing he's lame, the only thing he can do is he can beg and he can ask for money. And so this day was no different than any other day. Is the, he, here we are that they're going to the temple and the lame man's out there. And guess what he does? He does what he does. He asks for money. But he runs into... Uh, Peter. And this is what it says in Acts 3, verse 5 and 6. It says this, the lame man looked at them eagerly, and this is what they do, expecting money. But Peter said, I do not have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. 
So here he is. He's at the gate. He's expecting money. And what happens? Instead of money, he received healing. Amen? Expect something big. You imagine what he could do, what kind of double portion he could get now, now that he was healed. It says that he was jumping, he was leaping around, he was telling everybody they were so amazed. Imagine the amount of money and the, the things that he could do, the promises and the things that he can do and not just be stuck in a situation. No, we need to expect something big for God to move. You never know what he can do, whether that's healing or whatever it may be. God is here, God is for you, God is with you, amen? God doesn't always give us what we want but he gives us what we need. So what does our vision look like for this year, for 2024? How big is your, uh, your vision of what you have and what you think that you're going to have or what you want to see for this year? How big is it? The fourth key to unlocking your potential is the willingness to help others. The willingness to help others, to be a servant. Number one, you got to make God a priority Number two, you need, to, you need to be all in. Number three, you got to expect something big. And number four, you have to have the willingness to help others. Yes. The willingness to help others. And so when we turn and we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, you think Jesus is having a discussion during this time, and there's this religious person, and they get on the topic, and they start talking about the second commandment where it says to love your neighbor as yourself. And the man not understanding turns to Jesus, and he's like, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And so Jesus goes on to tell this parable, and that's what he does. He, that's what he uses parables to tell his story. And he talks about a man that was beaten, that was robbed, that was left alone to die in a ditch. And in this parable, there are three people. There's the Good Samaritan, as the title is, and I'll get to that. But there's a priest and a temple assistant that are there as well. And the priest looks at the man and sees him, crosses over to the other side of the road, and just keeps on going the temple assistant. It says that he walked up to him. So I can only imagine that he kind of walked up and sees this guy this close and turns and leaves and walks the other way. Two people, same person they saw, they leave. Two. In Luke 10, 33, this is what it says. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So out of three people, only one helped. That means in this situation, a simple math would show us that 66% of the people did nothing. God, that grabbed me. Because what if that was a family member of yours? Would that have changed the situation? Like, would we have helped then if it was one of our family members, but we're supposed to help everybody. They are our family. We're all family. We're all family. And too many times I can tell you that I've missed opportunities to help someone. I'm no different than the priest of the temple assistant. This really hit me hard. They just walked by and had opportunities to share the good news or speak a word of encouragement to somebody, and I didn't do it. My prayer is that all of us, that we would be like the good Samaritan, that we would actually seize the opportunity to help others, that we would be a servant of who we're called to be. Amen? That's my prayer for us. So in closing, there are four keys to unlocking your potential. Number one, make God your priority. Make God your priority. Number two, you have to be all in. Number three, expect something big. 
And number four, have the willingness to help others. Be willing to help others. Amen? Come on, I want to invite you to stand on your feet. I want to invite you to stand on your feet and let's worship the Lord. So I want a live church. I mean, let's be a people that would seize every opportunity that's given to us in 2024. Let's be a people that will yield to God's will. Let's be a people that will put God first and say, God, I will walk after you. I will chase after you. God, I will do anything that you have me to do. I will do what you tell me, God, when you tell me to do it, because I want to help God. I want to break through, God. I want to see you move, God, in 2024. God, I thank you, God, that there are people in this room right now, God, that are seeking after you, God, that are hungry, that are thirsty, God. Lord, I pray for a move, God. The Spirit would move mightily in this place, Lord, that you would you would shut down those thoughts, God, that they might have, those thoughts of shame, God, those thoughts of, of unfailing, God, that they couldn't, they couldn't live up to your expectations, God, those thoughts of comparison, God. Lord, I thank you, God, as we release them right now, God, that you have great things for them, God. We break off the lies of the enemy. We cast them out in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak life into them, God. Lord, we set them free right now in Jesus' name so that they can move forward, God, that they would seize every opportunity, God, that you have for them. They will no longer be bound by the shackles and chains, God, that hold them back, God, that they would be free, God, that they would be full of joy, God, they would be able to rest, God, and that there would be peace, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah.